Hi, everyone. Happy Russell Westbrook Day. Yeah. Mick Cornette declared it Russell Westbrook Day every day. Hashtag why not? Hashtag OKC rules with a Z, right? This is so awesome. I think we can all just celebrate that this week. Um, at least I am. Well, uh, today is going to be a, a good day. Um, we're finishing this series, as Micah just said, uh, um, doing things that matter, and our hope is that it's provoked some things in your heart and stirred you up, that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about new things that your life really needs to be uh, just pursuing. This is all about your story. This is all about the life that you're living. And are you living the life that God has for you? Are you living the life that's been handed to you? Are you living life by accident? Are you living life on purpose? Uh, things don't, you know, the things that God really wants to do in each and every one of us, um, he, he will reveal them to us if we seek him, if we ask him, if we pray. And this is what it's been about. We're saying, how can we be people, not just who dream wildly, live differently, love recklessly, lead graciously, but how can we live a life in which we are becoming the person that God has called us to be? That's what this has been about. And we're going to kind of not wrap this up because this story and this idea will endure for much longer. But in terms of a series, it is sort of the end today. But uh, um, we had a sort of funny moment happen this week. Uh, Halloween is coming up, as we know. We're already in October now, officially, and Halloween's around the corner. So we decided we were going to get classic costumes for the kids this year. And so we're going to have like a cat. We're going to have like a pumpkin. You know, we're getting into, and Grace wanted to be a mummy, right? And so we ordered the costume, and it came this week. And I got a receipt here to prove what we ordered. If you see at the bottom, it says classic mummy child costume, small, size four to six. You see, you see this? We ordered it from Target.com. And, but this is what we got in the mail instead. <laughs> what? This was the receipt in the box with this costume. I don't know, man. That freaked me out. And, uh, and it freaked Grayson out, too. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He wakes up in the middle of the night and comes in my room and says, Dad, I think that clown is in my room. <laughs> But he actually said it, Dad, I think that clown is in my womb. And he said it again and again. He's like, he was everywhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness. May God have mercy on that soul, whoever that Target.com worker is that put that in that box, right? Uh, traumatized my child. And so I was thinking about this silly story this week, and, um, and it ties into actually, believe it or not, what we're talking about today, and it's, it's the power of presence. And for a kid, the power of presence is real. Like, whether it be the boogeyman or the it clown, right, or, or, or whatever it is, even, even when you think about it, the, the presence of safety for a child, the presence of love, how powerful that is. And, and how when there's the presence of love and how the impact the kids, but when there's an absence, right? When there's an absence of the presence of love, the scars that it could leave, you know? And I was thinking about the presence and the absence of things in our life. And what is present in that? So as we close, I, I want to think of something that, I want to talk about something that it's been a running theme in our church, if you will, for, for really since we began. And it's, it's a running theme because it's a running theme in Scripture, and it, it's the fact that we have a God who's with us. His presence is with us. And this is, this is all throughout Scripture. I mean, you go all the way back to the story of Moses, right? What does he say? He says, he says, I'm with you, Moses. Later on, Joshua, the guy who comes right after Moses, he says, be strong and courageous for I am with you. John 14, 
Jesus is talking, the disciple says, I'll be sending you a counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be what? With you. And then later on, he actually breathes on them, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. Matthew 28, great commission. He ends with, I am with you to the very end of the age. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples in a new way to be with them. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, God's spirit dwells within you. It just keeps going and going that there's this God's presence with us. So what does that mean? When it, comes to, when it comes to this conversation, that means everything, honestly. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we have absolutely no chance in life. But with him, man, anything's possible. With him, anything's possible. I want to look at a passage in Acts 3. So if you have a Bible, you can open to Acts 3. We're going to spend a little bit of time there. But this is a story about the disciples right after they received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, right? They had this amazing moment in which God gives them the Holy Spirit. It's like fire coming on them. And then Peter gets up, gives this sermon. 3,000 people in Jerusalem come to Jesus that day. And so now they're going throughout Jerusalem, like trying to spread this good news of Jesus and what God is doing among them. And we'll start in verse number one, Acts chapter three. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, hey, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then in verse six, it, we pause here. Peter said, he said something that I want us to notice. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I'm gonna give to you. So the greatest thing that they'd ever been given up to this point in their life was God's presence. That's what they had been given. And he was about to enter in the new territory. As far as we know, this is the first time Peter is about to do what he did. I mean, we don't have any other scriptural evidence that anything else happened prior to this moment that Peter actually in initiated and did or any of the disciples. And this is what happens in that second half of verse six. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So this is the first time the disciples had actually performed a miracle that we know of in the scriptures. He jumped to his feet, began to walk, and then went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So the same God, who is with Peter and John, is the same God with us. So what does that mean? Well, one of the things I've learned, I, I think if, if I was gonna learn some things from the disciples that it's really inspired me, and when I read the stories of the New Testament, is that they figured something out. They figured out that they can actually give away God's presence, which I think is just a powerful thought to think about. We think God's presence is for us, God with us, us, it's me and me and me, and God is with me, but here they are giving it away. They're sharing it. They're sharing God's presence with the people around them, that we can actually walk through life and give away his presence. I wanna, I wanna be that kind of person. I, I would imagine most of us wanna be that kind of person. We wanna learn what it means to have God's presence with us so powerfully that we learn how to give it away 
that we can share it and we can actually initiate God's power into the world. So presence is a powerful thing. Is God's presence, this is a question for you, is it resting on you and in you? Like, is God's presence really like, is it a resting place? You, your life. So the absence of presence of certain certain things within your story says quite a bit, doesn't it? For instance, if your story is absent, if your life, when I say your story, it's synonymous with your life, right? If your story is absent, from doing meaningful things for the people you love. We'll make it that simple. You have a lot of people you love in life. Are you doing things for them? If your life is absent of doing things for them, that's meaningful. What does that say about your life? <laughs> if your life is absent of moments of being really faithful, meaning have you had a, do you have any stories of where you're like, I did something incredibly faithful. I trusted the Lord. I took this humongous uh, risk, this step of faith in life. Do you have stories like that? And if you are absent of those stories, what does that mean? Perhaps means that maybe your faith needs to grow some, right? If you're one of those people that says, you know, I wish I had stories of God's power in my life. I just don't have stories of God's power and his presence in my life. I, I, I see it around. I believe it. But I just don't have it. What does that mean? Well, perhaps if it's absent in your life, maybe it means that you have to learn what it means to step in to the presence and power of God. That maybe what's been made available to you, you have not yet stepped into it. You've not yet trusted it. So the absence of things in your life says quite a bit, but the presence of what's in your life says even more, doesn't it? What is present in your life? Now, this can be a good thing. Do you have all sorts of stories that you can tell about the presence of God in your life or doing things that matter or whatever it is, and you have all these stories and you say, well, then amen, praise God, that's amazing that God is doing things in your life that you say, these are present things that are real in my life. But there's also things that are present that aren't so good, right? Some of us have an absolute presence of sin in our life and it just keeps wreaking havoc. It just keeps hanging around and that's present in our life and it's messing up our story because of what's present. Some of us have things that are other challenge in our life that are present we just, and, we're, and we need help. We need someone to step in that can say, we can, we can, we can provide some wisdom here. We can, we can step in and serve here. The absence and presence of things says quite a bit about who you are. Informs and sheds light on the truth. And here's the, here, here's the thing. Only you, only you know the truth about what's absent and present in your life. Some of us have some measure of understanding of what's in your life. Some of, those, some of the people that are close to you maybe have a little bit of things that are, yeah, that's present, that's absent. But only you know the truth about you. So I talk about our story all the time because I'm, uh, I'm talking about our life. And how does your story proclaim what you believe? How does your story actually reflect your heart? Or, or for some of us, is our story a far cry from what we believe? Is our story a far cry from who we really feel like we're supposed to be? And I've said many, many times that I believe like stories should be the measuring stick, should be the measuring stick if we're actually more than words. Because a lot of people stand on a mountain of words. They stand on a mountain of beliefs and convictions and words, and they have really small, weak stories. Are you with me? 
So I've been thinking a lot about stories, and honestly, I've been just reflecting on our church and going, okay, years ago I said this, if stories are going to be the measuring stick of really God, his work among us, well, we're going to have stories to tell. And so honestly, we started this series, and it was sort of a, it was a me rewinding back to the beginning of our church in a lot of ways, and all the things that God put on our heart. And one of the things I said was, man, I can't wait till we have stories to tell. And so I started writing stories down over the last number of weeks. And honestly, I have too many stories to tell right now, which is really cool. Um, but I just started thinking about stories, and I was thinking about my friend Alicia Hunt. Alicia Hunt and her husband, Matt. Um, there they are right there. That's a devoted. <laughs> well, Alicia is actually my, third, my, my daughter's third grade teacher right now. She's also, she leads a small group. Her and her husband leads a small group with me and Christy. And Alicia's done something pretty cool. She started, a few years ago, started a Facebook page. I mentioned this once before. She started a Facebook called, page called We Are The Village. And, and it's right here. And it says, she says this on her page. What this is all about is showing love to our city through projects, donations, and helping hands. And so what she does is she regularly posts needs that fam families have in her school or that she knows about or that she hears about. Or she just posts them and says, hey, can somebody help with this? Hey, somebody needs a car seat. Somebody needs a bed. Somebody needs a pair of shoes. Someone needs size seven khaki pants, right, for school. And, and people go, oh, yeah, I got that. I got that. 600 members on this page. And she's just constantly posting stuff up there. And people are constantly stepping into those needs. And then people start saying, hey, I have stuff that I just want to donate. Can I put it on this site? And she says, yeah. And it's just this community sort of bringing life to your city moment, right? It's pretty cool. I love stories like that. This past week, Charlie, Christie's dad, he had surgery on his back. And uh, I went up to the hospital on Tuesday, and he told me that all these people from our church had stopped by to see him. He said, oh, yeah, Judy was there. And Mike King and Robbie and Jana and Roger and Melody and Micah and they all came to see me and I was just like so encouraged by that. I was like that's so awesome the church being the church right and what I loved about that is Charlie and Shirley are the first people to go see people in the hospital. They are the first people anybody's like oh I went I'm, I'm going to like see my doctor they're like can we come with you you know <laughs> do you need someone by your side I mean they're just constantly caring for people because they know those moments matter in people's lives and they've made themselves available to do that and I was so encouraged to know that that they they were in that moment and and I, I believe this I believe people do that and they elevate the rest of us I said that last week about Mike Cox they elevate the rest of us and I feel like that's what happened when I saw all these other people come to see them I thought man that's that's a good thing because sometimes doing things that matter is just showing up it's just showing up So I was thinking about stories, right? And I thought about my, some other friends, uh, Stephen and Hillary Grantham and their kids, Elizabeth and Allie and, and Bailey. Bailey's not in that picture up there, but as a family, they started a nonprofit organization a few years ago called Beads of Good. And it actually stems, and they'll tell their story, we'll probably um, spend some time with it in a few weeks, but it stems from just their story, driving down the road and seeing people in need on the side of the road, and they go, what can we do about it? And they had some opportunities to maybe do some things. And they started this organization to serve people in need around the world. And, and it, it kind of grew into this story of how can girls dream big to change the world? 
And they just started going after it about how do we make jewelry that can actually help women in Africa. They had a connection in Africa, and it's been going. And now, and they got a book coming out in a couple months. Uh, it'll be out in November or December, somewhere in that time frame. And I think in a few weeks we'll talk about it. But it's, it's this book right here. It's uh, The Girl Chronicles. It's a kid's book. So that kids can read a book, and they can, and they can, they can be, especially girls, and be challenged to say, hey, you can do something that matters. You can change the world if you would dream big. And know that God's empowered you to do big things. What a beautiful thing that a family in our church is doing just because there were some good conversations that happened in their living room that led to a dream, right? So I'm grateful for stories like that. I'm grateful that the Spirit moves in people and people actually go and do it. Like Riley Cole and Leslie Cook, two of our amazing young women in our church several months ago talking about how they wanted to, they should step up and they should start serving some high school girls in our church. And so they just did it. No one asked them to do it. They just said, we're going to start a group. And they just started having girls over to their house and they started doing a Bible study with them and teaching them about the Bible and talking to them about Christ and following him and so forth and so on. And now they do this every week. I don't have anybody in my house every week. You know what I'm saying? Except my own family. And they're, they're having them in their house every week and they're loving on them, and they're showing them who Jesus is. And I love when people just do it, when they feel God calling them to do something, and they just do it. They don't hedge. They don't pause. They don't, they don't go, oh, I don't know if it's going to fit in my schedule. I don't know if I can really do that. They feel a conviction that God's called them to something, and they say, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it because God not only has called me to it, but I have a God who's given me, it's promised a life to me that I can never imagine. So I'm not going to think of the best ideas. He is. And if I don't trust the ideas he's putting in my heart, well, then what, what should I be trusting? I can't trust myself. I got to trust him. A story not in our church, but connected to our church. My sister, Sally, and her husband, Luis, a few years ago, they were visiting some of Luis's family in El Salvador, and they looked around at some of the hardships people were facing in this rural town in El Salvador, and they said, you know, we can do something about this. So they started a mission called Mission El Salvador, and they started it out of their own home, you know, and they're like, how can we? And so every year they raise the money to build a house in this rural town in El Salvador, and they've brought dozens of people with them down to El Salvador in the middle of this nowhere town in El Salvador to say, how can we love these people? How can we meet some physical needs, but also bring Jesus to this town? And this is, this is the place that, you know, my, husband, my, my brother-in-law grew up, but he hadn't been in in 20 years or more now. Stories like that are people, just so you know, they're just like you. They're not people that have theology degrees. They're not people who have, you know, some sort of, ooh, you know, spiritual call on their life. We all have spiritual call on our life. But sometimes we make it like we don't. So we distinguish calls differently. They're people who just expected, or who were just living life, and they didn't expect God to do the things that he's done, but yet he did them. One of my favorite stories involves my daughter, Addie. Addie, when she was in the first grade, she had a teacher. Her name was Mrs. Owens. <laughs> Katie is a, a special person. And anyway, we didn't know it, but Addie started inviting Mrs. Owens to church every week whenever uh, we were kind of in the process of building this and renovating this and about to move in. She was inviting her every week to say, hey, I really want you to come and and then whenever she didn't come on Monday, Addie would say, he didn't come to church. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even know this was going on. 
months go by, and I guess this has been going on, going on, going on, and then finally we hear about it, and we're like, oh, wow, she's been inviting her teacher. Well, maybe this will happen someday, and we get almost to the end of the school year. I'm pretty, it might have even been the last week of the school year, and, and Katie's like, I need to go to this kid's school, this kid's church, you know what I mean? Like, I, she's been so persistent about this. And so she came, and since we had heard about it, this was like when Mrs. Owens and her husband Townsend showed up at our church, it was like a party at the Manning House, you know what I mean? It was a big day because of Addie's love for a teacher, and, and it's a pretty cool story that's happened since. Katie and Townsend now uh, attend this church. They've been here ever since that day, and they're involved in a small group. They're, they're uh, serving in this church, and if you ask them, they would say, you know what? What OKC community has become for us, it's become the community that we could never find since we had moved to Oklahoma, and, and, and we're so grateful for it. We needed it. And when I think about that story, and I'm just like, I wish I had the persistence of my daughter. You know what I mean? I wish I did. You know the story in Luke 18, whenever, whenever there's a persistent widow, and she's needing some justice, and this judge is kind of getting worn out by her, and it's like, I just, he didn't want to help, and then she just kept coming back and saying, I need justice, I need justice, I've been wronged, I've been wronged, and she's just persistent. And Jesus tells this parable about persistence because finally the judge grants her what she wants because, not because he even cared about what she was saying, she was just so persistent about. And then God uses persistence is the whole point. And I think some of us, we just need to hear that even today, like keep going after that thing that God's put in your heart. Keep going after it. Don't give up on it persistence. And I do love, I do love that God used a five-year-old little girl to go, I'm connecting her love for God and church and her teacher, right? It's pretty cool. When we think about persistence, we think about prayer around here, and, and we mention all the time that we have a prayer team that, that prays, and you can turn a prayer card in, and we have a prayer team that prays for people every week, and I think about Amanda Holland, and Amanda's one of our prayer team leaders, and, but she, she takes the prayer requests that are turned in every week, and she cares for them. Like she, they're, like, important. Like She makes sure that they are taken care of. We aren't just having to turn stuff in and not do anything with it, and she makes sure she gets all those to all the prayer team people, to me, to Micah, to others, and she every week is diligent about doing that. Like, it's amazing. Like, she never misses a week and says, hey, by the way, were there any other prayer requests that were turned in this week? Texting me and making sure she gets everyone so everybody that needs prayer is prayed for. And I believe that you do that so well. And it's such an encouragement to our church and to me and to know that there's someone in our church that's so dedicated to that, you know? That's just important. And it, I mean, it matters. So why am I still going with stories? I'm just, are you like, is there any end yet? Yeah. Well, no, but yes, because this is what it's about. It's about life. It's about having stories that actually are what we say we believe. Maybe you think you can't pursue dreams anymore. Maybe you think that dreamboat has sailed. It's gone. It's history. You know, my dad has shared the story so many times with me that years ago he felt a call from the Lord to go to Bible school, and to perhaps even go into ministry when he was in his 20s, but he didn't do it for whatever reason. A number of reasons kind of led him to just kind of stay with what he was doing in a long career in the military, and he, he did that, and years later, he retires from the military, and he decided, I needed to do what the Lord said. I need to do what the Lord said, and he went and got his master's degree from Liberty Seminary, 
Now he's pursuing his doctorate in biblical studies. He's a professor at Southwestern Christian University teaching the Bible. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's actually really, really cool. And I think what's even cooler is there are even students that have been in this class that now go to our church and serve on our prayer team. So I would say maybe for you, a dream that feels dead, it isn't dead. It just needs the resurrection of power of Jesus to come back to life. Are you with me? We want a church that brings life to this city. That's why we're stepping neck deep into serving our local schools, because we believe schools are the cross-section and the epicenter of so many, so many spaces in our, in our city, socioeconomic, racial, all the religious, all the, whatever, whatever, whatever demographic you want to point to, it all exists in our schools, and we're like, we, we also see that, but we also see the need that exists, and we go, how do we, we have to be there. If we're going to bring life to the city, we have to be in our local schools. And I was talking to the basketball coach at Northwest Class in high school the other day, and I, was, I just said, hey, what's a need that your team has? And he said, we're desperately in need of practice jerseys. And I go, okay, the, tell me a little more, more about that. And he said, well, the district can't provide them. Um, the stuff we have is old and worn out. And I said, well, how much does that cost, practice jerseys for your team? He said, it costs like $1,000. And I was like, $1,000, that's a lot of money, but in this context, it's really not a lot of money. $1,000 to help with something with that so many schools get brand new every year, right? And I, I tell you that to say, but I feel a story is coming there, right? I think there's a need that we can meet, hint, hint. <laughs> it was amazing to see so many people serve with Rally for Schools last year just by providing food and for a bunch of high school athletes you didn't even know. And I'm excited for this year as we go back into this kind of opportunity to serve. That's why we're doing these events here. We're doing this thing this week with Class and SAS. That's where we're getting into Rally for Schools because we believe those are stories just waiting to happen. There are more stories of doing things that matter that are just sitting there waiting for people to step into them. Sitting there waiting for people to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, you can do more and you can do something that matters. Don't sit on your hands. Don't let other people do it. It's you. I'm talking to you. I was talking to Caleb Kinney this week and he was sharing his passion for the school that he's involved in. You know, a lot of you know he's a football coach. Uh, he coaches football and at a school, and he's looking at these guys, and he's like, I need to do more than just coach football. And he was telling me this week how he just said, these guys need some, some uh, leadership in their life. They need some people that are encouraging them, sharing truth with them, being mentors to them. And so he and one of his other guys are meeting with these guys now all the time outside of practice, right? And he sees the needs that are just right there in front of him, the things that are going on. He says, I can take it a step further, right? I can do more than just the job. I can actually bring Christ right in the middle of it. So we started meeting with this group. And I can keep going, and I don't have any more pictures, but I can talk about my wife and all the things she's done and our kids' school and our neighborhood. And I could talk about Kevin Leslie, who's back there running sound, and how every time we have a sound and AV need, there's an install and upgrade. He just comes and does it. Nobody knows it. He's doing it during the week when you're not here, but all the things that happen and work here is because of that guy. And how he just serves us. And I can talk about the generosity of so many of you. I can talk about Andy and Sylvia Tosig who serve at OCU International Suits. I can keep going, right? You guys get it? And ultimately, the hope of this message is to say that our stories can be full of God's power and his presence. 
And you can have a story where God's power and his presence just permeates your life. The story of God's presence isn't something that just happens, though. This is something that we have to hunger and that we have to thirst for. It's something that we have to actually go and pursue, that we have to let go of our old self. We have to let go of the flesh and step into the spirit. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that that's all part of the journey to becoming the person that God's called us to be. This theme in scriptures, I said, that has been a theme in our church, that God is with us. It's not supposed to be a comforting thought, God with us. Thank God that you're with us. I feel better now. I'm not alone. Yes, but God with us is actually supposed to be like an awakening moment. Like, God's with me. I better get going. It should awaken and stir something within us, right? What's available to us is the same power that Peter had. Acts 5. I want to go to a story there. Acts 5, verse 14 and 15. So this is after the story that I just read, right? In Acts 3 about Peter and John and, this, and, and sharing God's presence and healing this guy. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Okay, so this is happening in Jerusalem. As a result, get this picture. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as they passed by. Is that not a crazy kind of verse right there? that they're bringing people out, hoping that Peter's a shadow would just go over them, thinking that that could actually heal them. Now, this is, this is of course, after the, the other miracle, people are just, just blown away. And they're thinking about Peter in the presence of God. They believe it's so thick on him that all they had to do is come in contact with the shadow. Now, I'm, I'm guessing, chances are, you've never experienced someone who's walked into the room, if you will, with God's presence so powerful on them that you would think that that could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, but I, but I have been around people, and I don't know if you've been around people. I've been around people that God's presence is with them so thick that they change the environment around them. I've been around people like that. I've been around people when they walk into the room, the room changes. Have you ever been around a person like that? I've been around a person when they move into the neighborhood, the neighborhood changes. I believe that that's the story we all ought to be living. God's presence can be with us in such a way that when we walk into the room, things begin to change. Conversations become more intentional. Love becomes to be expressed more freely. And there's a scripture in Matthew, Matthew 10 that we find. And there's an interesting moment that occurs and it's right as Jesus was sending out the disciples to do ministry for the first time. I want you to listen to these words because uh, we'll start in verse, I don't know, I think that's six. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel and as you go, proclaim the message. This is what he's telling the disciples to go and do, right? And then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Can you imagine that being charged to you? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And then get what he says in verse nine, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. What did Peter say? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I'm gonna give to you. Isn't that a pretty cool moment? Jesus is telling them, don't even bring any money with you. They're, not, they're going into Jerusalem. They don't have any money with them, but they have all they need. They have all they need. 
And it's the presence of God. Now let's think about this little statement here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. If this is the ministry that Jesus called the disciples to do, none of us in this room feel equipped to do that. I'm just telling you, we don't. That's like overwhelming. What are you talking about, heal the sick? And I think so many times we think about it in a very physical sense. We think about it in a Jesus sense when he did these things just right in the moment. And we think about this. Let me just ask you, are there people that you know who are sick, even spiritually sick, that if someone would come and they would show them love and they would actually come and they would, the, the power of showing up, right? That there would be a healing that would, a person in, that would happen in that person's life and they could become almost like remade and, and renewed because someone came and shared the love of Jesus with them and the good news with them and said, you know what, I care about you so much and I care about the hurt and the pain that you're going through and I know that you need healed. So I'm gonna bring the love of Jesus into your life because I care about you and I love you. And I'm gonna do the things that really God's calling us to do. And a healing takes place. And guess what else happens then? Well, then it's like they become someone who's raised to walk in a new life. And we start to see people who are dead, spiritually dead all around us, raising up and walking in a new life. And so many of us were so kind of reserved back in our life to our own life that we're not stepping into this idea that we can be the people to heal, to raise up. And here you go, cast out demons. That's a little weird. What, are there people that you know that are living under the, a deception? They don't see themselves clearly. They've been fed lies. And you're going, you need to see the truth about yourself. We need to cast out the deceptions and the lies and tell people the truth about who they are in Christ Jesus. So we can cast out, we can raise up and we can heal. You know what? And I'm not, I'm not even limiting it to that kind. We can do it physically too. But if we could at least acknowledge that the ministry of Jesus, the things he's called us to do, that we have actually been empowered to do them. Why? Because God is with us. God is with us. And we can walk through life and we can give away his presence. We can do the things that matter, whether that be the small things like start a Facebook page, which is really a big thing whether that be be faithful to your church and to, to step into the things that really matter here, whether that be go into your neighborhoods, go into the schools, what, whatever it is, there's a story waiting to, be, waiting to be told. It's waiting to unfold and it's waiting on you. It's not waiting on someone else. It's waiting on you. And it's a story that God has for you. And it's the story of your life. It's the story of your life and it's waiting for you to step into it. So when you walk into a room, everything changes. Not because you walked in the room. Who walked into the room? God. God walked in the room because God is with you. God is with you. And so when you walk into the room, the environment changes, the conversations change, the, the dreams change. You can, you can bring up healing. You can raise people to walk in a new life because they see life in a new way because you're illuminating something they've never thought of before. But it's not really you, is it? Who is it? It's God because God is with you. It's God. Listen to this, listen to this passage in, in, in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to close with this. And then we're going to sing, not just one song, but two songs today because it's a two-song day. <laughs> so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Let me just read that again. Get in the moment. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call, a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. 
You understand? He's going to prompt you to do things, but it's going to take faith. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. Come on. This is good. And you will be honored along with him. And this is all made possible because why? Because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We are going to worship. And I'm going to call you to just not only worship, but to even take this moment to say, God, I, I want your presence. I want to know how to walk with it. I want to know how to talk with it. I want to know how to give it away. And I want a life that you've made possible for me. Because here's what the thing that's been the anthem of this whole series. The gospel in Jesus will call you to do things you never knew you wanted to do. It will call you to do things you didn't even know you could do. You understand that? All those stories that I just told, most of those people would say, I never saw it coming. Jesus gives me a life I never imagined. That's what's what happens. So let me pray. Father, we pray now that as we, as we try and soak this in and we try and now lift you up, that Lord, this time would be your time, that Lord, we could celebrate you, we could sing about you, we can worship you, Lord, we can pray with those that we need to pray with, God. May this be a time of response to you and you alone. You are King and you are Lord of all. Thank you for your presence that's in this room. We pray these things in your name, amen. Would you stand with me?